be it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Monday. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm kind of feeling grumpy, so I thought I'd just, you know, well, we'd have this Kids These Days show, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a... Uh... The, the, it's a Monday, and uh, yeah, if we're gonna yeah, if, if we're gonna unload a little, if we're gonna get a few things off our chest, this is the this is the ideal day of the week to do it, right? So, well, you know, I, 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 I want to take credit or blame for the for the words "kids" these days, because obviously, yeah. a young guy like Stephen doesn't think in those terms, or do you? Do you know? Do, do you, <laughs> have you noticed well, people walking know. on your lawn, or uh, how's that how's that working out for you? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, in a couple of years I'll I'll hit fifty. So maybe I'm maybe I'm old enough to be thinking about kids these days and grum and and uh, grumbling about them a little bit. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, in our defense, it's kids these days. Question, not kids these yeah. days. Exclamation point. So we'll see if. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah, see. If, uh, we'll see if the problem is really is really kids these days. But that is our our topic this evening. Social overload meets new realities. I've been thinking and talking a lot about shifting realities and shifting perspectives on reality lately. And it seemed like leading into this week, there was just an interesting batch of news stories that talked about either social media and how it's driving us in directions that we never expected, or just these kind of demographic societal shifts that are pushing us in in ways that we didn't expect, and you know, we try to we try to keep an interesting balance of positive to negative of, of about eighty to twenty, positive to negative five to one is our ratio, the old Pareto ratio. But once in a while, you got to look at things that are troubling, things that are worrying, concerning, and and I think that's what we're going to do here to kick the week off. So we can, you know, by the time we get to Friday and geek out, this will all be a distant memory, right? We'll, we'll be. <laughs> that's right. You know, I mean, even uh, even beer has to have uh, some uh, some bitters in it, right? I mean, it's just it's it's you know you got to have that mixture, right? That so, is um, profound. That wow. <laughs> I just is that did I, you I come up with that I yourself? I mean, I, and I, I mean that quite sincerely. That is that is really beautiful, Stephen. I I, I, I want to see that on a <laughs> meme. Okay, actually, I want to get that on a T-shirt. That that's really. Uh, that's, That's right. the twenty yeah. right there, huh? You know, That's even right beer. There. You got to put the twenty in there, or it's sickly sweet. You know, it's not. You got to. <laughs> That's gotta. right. Your your beer would be. It would. It would be nasty. Oh, that's a good call. Good call. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you say? We've we've talked around it. Let's dig into these things, okay? This this was an interesting piece on the Guardian. I used to think social media was a force for good. Now the evidence says I was wrong. And nice kind of confessional, talking through one person's experience on social media here and and I think a, a good breakdown of the hope and expectations people have had about it and then kind of the reality of all the negative stuff that it enables but let's stand back in or outside of the context of this story and let's just say where are we with social media force for good 
not a force for good in this world. What do you think overall? Oh, I, I would say it's a mixed blessing, and mm-hmm. um, and that it, it is a blessing. Um, you know, I mean, how how in the world would uh, I, uh, you know, a, a, a busy guy, busy family man, who's you know, uh, how would I keep up with uh, with what's going on with uh, uh, family and friends? Well, I, to some extent, I wouldn't be uh, keeping up with it. I'd, I'd be even more isolated in my work and then home, and that's basically it kind of life. You know, I, this this allows you to oh, okay, so. So and so from college, uh, they uh, you know got a new grandkid or um, you know, these kind of things. You can, you can keep up with stuff like that, and uh, that's, that's cool. You know, and there's some things that are not cool, and uh, I guess we can we can talk about that a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, I, I I think it's by and large a good thing. What about you? Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I feel that it's something that started out with a certain value proposition that we all bought into that still fulfills that value proposition, and that is connecting us, letting us know what's happened with our friends, keeping us in touch with our family, also creating whole new communities of interest around lots of different topics and allowing for interactions that never would have been possible. So on balance, it's it's been this medium for for connecting people and potentially, for doing all kinds of good. It definitely has that dark side, though. It definitely has that, you know, I can't go through my Facebook or Twitter feed without just going, oh, I'm not reading, I'm not engaging, I'm not engaging. And there's so much more of that now, it seems, than there was even a year ago. And a year ago, we were in the middle of a presidential election when I just, I could hardly even stand, you know, to look at my Twitter feed or my uh, or my, my, my Facebook news. So so that's a little odd to me. It seems to me that we should be well past it and we should be back to normal life, but it feels like normal life is now a lot of people outraged all the time. That 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 has that has become that has become the normal. And that part I think is extremely unhealthy. I think it's it's and, really and, bad. And we signal virtue to our tribe by saying yes. outrageous things. I I mean, that's that's what we do now. And um, that's not that's not really good. Um, and so, I mean, I've uh, my my personal uh, thing on Facebook is to keep the politics to a bare minimum. I have political views, but I try not to actually, you know, post them in my Facebook feed. And I certainly I do zero in my Twitter feed of of, uh, uh, of, of any kind of political views. And so. Uh, you know, I, I tend to avoid a lot of that, but uh, you know, I've got I got friends on both sides of the political divide, and uh, sometimes the things that you know, that are said on on both sides are just you know seems like they're out of bounds compared to what I would have expected you know a few just a few years ago. It's, uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's really the issue is when when you talk about signaling to the tribe the the signal that the tribe demands of you if you're going to be a participating member. And, and we're talking about effectively ideological tribes. That's what we've got now. We, we've got right. you're, you're in this group or you're in that group. And, you know, there's really basically two, although those are subdivided infinitely, right? Within, yes. within conservatives, there's a lot of ins and outs. There are a lot of people who have nothing to do with each other and can't stand each other. And it's true within progressives, too. But, but at a very high level, the real divide 
is between the left and the right. And you, you have to continually, if you're in that, if you're playing that game, you have to continually signal your affiliation with the, with the in-group. And the message that's required of you today, I think, is a lot it's just a lot stronger, right, than it, than yeah. it was even, even a couple of years ago. And so what's happening is, it's very interesting, these, these tribes are becoming more isolated from each other. They're becoming more hostile to each other, becoming more insular. And so everything that we just said about connecting people and bringing people together, it's like, well, here's the opposite effect, right? Here's social media actually kind of tearing society apart, is is that too harsh of a term to use? You know, something is tearing society apart, or, or you know, is society tearing itself apart, and social media is just helping, or is, is social media actually the cause of that occurring? I, I can't help but think that, you know, the medium is sort of the message here. It's it's it has enabled it in a way that I think it wouldn't have been enabled before. What do you think? Well, if you had two people that were just walking in opposite directions away from each other. Um, you know, then they, they wouldn't get all that far away from each other. But you give each of them cars <laughs> and, and, you know, supercharged sports cars and tell them to drive as fast as you can away from each other. That's what we're talking about. I mean, it's a, uh, um, you know, the, maybe the, uh, the car isn't to blame, but it's certainly the vehicle that uh, is it, allowing people just to move farther and farther apart, fa- faster and faster. And, uh, than, than before, you know. I, I mean, oh gosh, it's it's uh, and the and the things people will say to one another on on Facebook and uh, deep friend uh, family members and everything else. It's it's amazing. Well, the, so. I, I think I think the the analogy of walking versus being in a car is a good one anyway, because there is a different dynamic to an interaction between two pedestrians than there is between two people in a car. Right, people people who are in cars. George Carlin used to do a bit about this, right? About about how big of an idiot or you know how big of a jerk somebody you're in close proximity to is, right? You know, if you're if if you're in line and there's some guy a couple ahead, you're, you're like turning to the other person, man, this guy's really a jerk, right? But if you're in a car, right, it's like this guy, right? It's you know this <laughs> this unbelievable amount of animosity that can you know hostility that can come pouring out of you because you've got that physical distance and there's this physical distance built in with social media that has enabled all this kind of really bad behavior. One of the things they talk about in this article is this um, Coliseum culture, throwing people to the lions, punishing strangers. The, the idea that, you know, some, somebody, if somebody walked up to you and said something in real life, you're not immediately going to jump down that person's throat and attack them. But in social media, that's a very standard behavior that, that you immediately go into a you know, defensive response, stating the tribe's message and personally attacking the person who, who said the thing, right? Those things all happen in very short order. And it's common. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's almost expected. It's almost kind of built in to how it works. And I think the, the other thing that this author mentions is that we can think of it as having been designed to do something wonderful like, you know, topple dictators or help out the Cajun Navy or, I don't know, bring blood donors together in an emergency. Or, you know, all the good things you can say Twitter or Facebook have done over the years. You can believe that, that, that it was invented for that. Or you can believe that it's, it's some subversive 
plot that was invented to destroy society, but neither one is really true, right? What it was invented to do was create content so that well, they can... Well, it was invented to enrich the uh, inventors, right? Uh, <laughs> That's correct, uh, yes. But, um, but uh, in, 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 the, in the process of doing so, it's, uh, it, it's both. It's both. It can, it can be this wonderful thing, and it can also tear people apart. And, and the, the mechanism by which it tears people apart is both, they're both positive and negative feedback loops. I mean, it, you know, uh, the more you say outrageous things, you get positive feedback from the tribe, but also, you know, that, that separates you from the, the non-tribes people, right? I mean, uh, and, and maybe that's what you want, but, um, you know, so that's, you're pushing away uh, certain people and, you know, in, or, in, in order to draw yourself into a particular group. And so it's, it's both positive and negative uh, um, feedback loops there. That, uh, that separate people. It's, uh, yeah, and, and, and those, those are ultimately enabled because the mechanism is around rewarding sharing information, rewarding information that gets repeated. Okay? So right. the, the, the basic driver, really when you look at it, I mean, we, we've talked about memes for years. We've talked about memetics for years, but social media is the true Darwinian mimetic environment it is the true place where ideas can you know they can they can either thrive or die and we all know right you put a pay, you put a post up on facebook it's like this is the most brilliant funny thing i have ever said in my life you know <laughs> right and, and cricket and only your mom likes it right your mom yeah that's right it. or you know after you say something to your wife uh you know uh, you know she she likes it you know um, yeah you get one like and you're like devastated right oh no i'm brilliant what you know wh- yeah. where's the, where's the world and then and then then, some, then you take a picture you take a picture of what you ate last night you get like <laughs> uh, 500 likes and, it is and your all-time best liked thing right it is the yeah, it is the right. tweet that gets retweeted more than anything you've ever done right <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. because it's it's stickiness is not connected to what's important to us personally, nor is it right. connected to the truth, nor is it connected to what's going to help. Sometimes it's coincidentally connected to what will help, but it's just as often connected to more often, I think, connected to the kinds of the kinds of negative stuff that makes. That, that makes a message sticky. It's, it's easier to make a negative sticky message than it is to make a positive sticky message. It's easier to, easier to you know, tell a good, you know, to really slam somebody than it is to come up with a really positive idea that people are going to want to share. It's, it's easier to say something really negative about how horrible the world is going than it is to say something really positive about how the world is going and have that catch on, have that be something that that, uh, that, that people want to repeat. That's just, that's how memetics works, right? If it, yeah. you know, the old, if it bleeds, it leads kind of, kind of applies there. If you've got a, if you've got something scary to say or something outrageous or provocative to say, people are going to repeat it. A few of those are positive. The overwhelming majority of them are negative. So it's kind of this outrage generating machine coupled with the fact that the message gets more and more honed, that the, uh, that, that the in-groups become more and more refined and more and more, uh, you know, the word is extreme, right? <laughs> Everybody gets more extreme kind of in, in, their, in their views as they go. And, yeah, social media is 
I don't know. It's going to need some work, I think. I don't know that we do anything with it, but maybe we do things in addition to what it currently is to to kind of balance this out. And I had this other story that I thought provided a, a really good example, coping with photo overload on social media. And you, you read this, and actually there were some statistics in the, in the earlier story too. You know, are you oversharing your photos? Yeah, it turns out you're probably, <laughs> you're probably oversharing your photos. People don't want to see all this. And what's really sad, I mean, what's really unfortunate is that a lot of people are looking at what's happening in even their close friends' lives, right? They're, they're looking at even what's happening in their family members' and friends' lives, and they're coming away feeling bad about themselves, Right, social media is actually is actually making people feel crappy about their own lives because they're seeing how much better everybody else is doing. And of course, everybody's presenting this kind of best case scenario for for their lives. Oh, yeah. But it's like even the positive stuff has this unintended. Well, we, 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 uh, we share pictures of ourselves on the beach. We don't share pictures of ourselves with a runny nose in the office on a random Tuesday, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, so we don't, you know, you don't, you always put your best foot forward on, on social media, but, and so that's what you see of everybody else. And you, and you, and there you sit in the office and, and, uh, you know, oh man, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, seems like every time I see a picture of them, they're, uh, in Cosimo, you know, what's going on with them, you know, uh, and here I sit. So yeah, it's, it's, it can sometimes be a, uh, a mechanism for feeling bad about yourself. So. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it ends up it ends up for a lot of people. It ends up being that more often than not. So, so yeah. we're prepared for all this political stuff, you know, all all this social stuff to be negative, and we're prepared to have the conversation about well, what do we do? How can we be less tribal? How can we be less mean to each other? How can we stop bullying each other online? We're prepared to talk about all that. But then you look at this over here and you go, oh, well, this is, you know, I do, I, I've put pictures of my family on the beach on social yeah. media, you know, uh, because, hey, we're having fun, you know, and it's interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, and those are nice pictures, you know, beach sunsets yeah. and, and things like well, that. I'll tell you so, one thing I've, I've, uh, I've, I have censored myself on is a holiday pictures. And what, and what I mean by that is like uh, I'll, I'll post a picture of uh, the family around the Christmas tree and things like that. What mm-hmm. I will not do, what I will not do is post pictures of the pile of loot that the kids get on Christmas morning, right? Oh, uh-huh. I, I simply, yeah. simply will not show that. And, uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want other kids or their parents, uh, you know, you know, seeing stuff, you know, that, you know, and thinking, well, I, I would have provided for my kids a little more had I been able to and feeling bad or something, you know, I don't, I don't want that ever to be a case. So, um, not that I, you know, I'm not trying to say that I go overboard, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you just you want to. Uh, I don't want that there to be a comparison there, and uh, so I, I don't ever pu- uh, publish stuff like that, and uh, and try to you know, uh, and, and you know, a couple of vacation pictures every now and then. That doesn't hurt anything, but uh, I, I, I try to keep it. I try to keep that to a minimal. So. I think that's a good idea. I think I think that's yeah. That's that's probably a good idea. We and per this article, we probably need to self censor more than we do. Right. And and just and and think about and think about what we're putting out there. But it takes. It, it's like so. You know, I have trained myself. I just won't engage, no matter how much I want to respond to something political. I know it never leads any place good that I want to be. That right. that 
that three comments later, I'm like, I wish I hadn't started this and I don't want to be in this conversation anymore, right? So I don't engage, right? No matter how much I want right. to, I'm like, no, I'm not going there. But it's like the other stuff, it's like, hey, fun stuff, happy stuff. I, you feel like you, you've, got a, you've got an all-you-can-eat license. And really, you don't. I mean, it really, that, that can be, that, that can be, you can be doing just as much in, in a more subtle way, harm, by, by emphasizing that stuff. It all comes down to the fact that we just live in this very different world. And I think that's, you know, if we want to talk about kids these days, that's where we can jump down to our 40-year study of teens finds Generation Z is unlike any past generation. We've talked about this a little bit before, and I think there's a real, there's a real connection between what's happening on social media and the just utter disconnect that you see between older generations, the boomers and Gen X, and the younger generations, Gen, Gen Y and Gen Z. This story is really good because it, it talks about the surprising things we see in these younger, the, these younger generations, right? You know, they, they, they don't care about getting a car. They, they don't care about drinking, right? They're not as interested in sex. <laughs> you know, all these things that, like, defined being a teenager, yeah, right, it, when I was that, a teenager. It's, it's, it's funny that uh, people, uh, you know, can be grumpy about, you know, the under-sex teens. Uh, you know, it's, it's, sort of, uh, it's sort of the opposite of what uh, we were uh, – we were chastised about by our elders when we were younger, Phil. But I, I've noticed, uh, you know, my own kids, for example, is, you know, you can't not drive and go off to college. You, you know, right. And, and so I, whereas with me, I was, you know, I was like 15 trying to figure out a way to, you know, uh, take a joyride in a car, right? I mean, it was just, um, it was it's just, a, it was a different set of priorities. Uh, kids, uh connected when we were when we were younger by getting in a car and going to some place with a, with other kids um that's less so now it's you know um there's a million ways to connect digital and that really i mean that rules with the younger generation that is the way so yeah i think you know the the, the big thing about getting a car the big thing about driving was one what you said social connection and the other thing too was independence and yeah in the digital world, you can achieve independence and you can, you can connect with other people and you don't need a car. <laughs> you know, you don't need the yeah. real world at all for those things. That's the, the, the physical world is not really a big factor in that. You, you, can, you can achieve those things online faster. And it's, you know, there's something very evolutionary about that. You see something kind of evolutionary going around in, in all of these trends. But it's just that. It's like, well, I want to be independent and I want to connect with other people. Having a car, I guess, would let me drive out of the house, but I'm out of the house all the time anyway. I'm chatting with my, you know, I'm on Snapchat with my friends. I, you know, the, the, the house is not the limiting place that it once was because in my home, I'm still completely connected to my whole, so, whole social fabric, right? So, so right. being at home isn't as big a deal as it, as it used to be. And, you know, so the car doesn't really solve that problem anymore. So when we look at it and we go, kids, how could they not be interested in driving a car? Well, it's because they're getting the same things that we wanted. Actually, they're probably in many ways more independent, although they seem more dependent to us because we have to drive them around, but in many ways more independent than we were. And, and certainly they're better, you know, more, not better, but more elaborately socially connected and in a different way than we were, right? So, <laughs> so immediately you say, well, you know what? It's, it's not that 
it's not that they're strange. It's not that they've walked away from having the same drives and desires we have. They're just they're meeting them differently because they live in a different world from the world we used to live in. And I, yeah. you know, and I think I think that's probably true about the rest of it. But it's really hard to get your head around. They don't want to drink or have sex, you know. And I'm listen as a father, I am fine with this, right? Don't get me wrong, I, it's, <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. It's, it's not like I'm, you know, I want kids to want to do those things. But as a former teenager, it's mystifying, right? It's it, it's it's well, just, there it's, may be some troubling aspects of that, this, Phil. That uh, the, you know, it may be that you know, pornography has uh, dampened the desire for people to actually you know, connect with an, with an actual member of their desired sex, right? Uh, you know, it, it could very well be that some, some of that, you know, uh, again, they're, they're getting those uh, urges fulfilled digitally also to some extent. I don't know. Uh, but it's, uh, well, I, you know, I, one of the stories we didn't link for this, and I might throw it up in the, in the show notes, is one that just talks specifically about guys. And this yeah. is probably more the, the uh, gen... Y guys than Gen Z, but just talking about the fact that they are working fewer hours as a group, right, in the U.S., that they date less, they're getting married later or not at all. And it reminds me a lot of, you, you remember in the book uh, Ready Player One, there's yeah. this discussion of the otaku in, J- in Japan. And uh, there, there's another group called the Hikikimori, I believe they're, it's, it's pronounced. But uh, the, these are, uh, you know, these are new social structures that have evolved around in part around digital platforms where in the former case you've got guys who you know they just they love their manga they love their games they love they love uh movies and 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 all that kind of stuff and so they end up maybe having a relationship with an anime character right some of them even getting married to an anime character the latter example these are like kids who actually just kind of lock themselves in their rooms right and spend yeah. years at a time with, without coming out. And, and it has to do with the fact that what I just said, that the digital experience is giving them what they need in, in, in some means, you know, to some extent, where the real world doesn't appeal that much, right? It, it's, you know, it, it seems like it would be much more difficult or you wouldn't get the same things, things that you're looking for. And I, and I guess what it all comes down to is we know that basically all of all of the whole datafication slash coffee shopification of the world has to do with things that once existed out in the physical world becoming digital. And a lot of times the digital substitute for the real world experience is superior to the actual, you know, the original. You, 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 it gives you more flexibility. You can do more with it. You, you actually have more power over it. But sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes... Yeah. The, di- the digital experience is just on a par with it, and sometimes it's not as good, right? It's very different, and it doesn't, it doesn't give you what you were actually looking for at all. And I think both with social media and with just kind of life in general, this is, this is the big challenge we're facing. So, so when, we, when we grumble and we say kids these days and, you know, we puzzle over what's happening with generations, it's not just a matter of, I think, judging 
people by the you know by, by by the inappropriate standards. It's it's about. I think we need to have more conversations, right? About well, you know, what well, it's, can it's life ultimately not, offer, right? Yeah, it's certainly not the kids. Kids yeah. are in a world that's very different from the world we had, and we probably would would have grown up exactly like members of these generations, Phil, had we been growing up right alongside them, right? Right. Um, it's not the kids, it's the environment, and um, and, and to some extent, uh, there, you know, things are an improvement over when we were younger, but uh, in some ways not. And I guess that's, uh, that's the way it's always been, but it seems the speed of change is certainly different. Um, the, you the know. Sp- yes, the speed of change is different, so it's dizzying to us. For for, right. for those you know for those seeing it happen, <laughs> and and parents right, I'm, they're them trying to grasp what our you know their grandchildren and great grandchildren are are up to. I mean they don't I mean they don't have a clue, um, and and we're pretty connected, Phil, and uh, and it's dizzying to us. So yeah, uh, pity the older folks. So. Exactly, it's 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 hard for all, and and we feel like we've seen things change fast, and we've been very responsive to to things happening, but. But the digital world is just going to keep changing at a greater and greater pace. So there's no, you know, I, I wish we had a quick answer to all these problems. There's no quick answer to social media. There's no quick answer to the difference between the, the generations. But I think what's important is that for all of these, we have to keep revisiting what experiences we're having, what reality we're living in, what we expect of it, and what we hope our lives are going to be, right? It's like the unexamined life is not worth living. I think we have to keep asking these questions and and keep looking at this stuff uh, to to try to make sense of it and stop judging the other generations and try to understand them. And maybe we have some things we can share with them. You know, I'm not going to go try to convince teenagers that they should really be more interested in sex and alcohol than they are, right? I I don't think that that's... uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's not not necessarily constructive, but... Uh, but but I but I but I would say to to young guys that it's possible that a career in a family offers more than porn and video games, right? That that it's possible right. that there's there's a whole level of experience that you're shortcutting yourself out of, right? That, well, and that, I would that, I would I would counsel, and I actually saw this this week, Phil. Okay, I saw a girl on a homecoming float dressed in a beautiful homecoming gown with her head in her cell phone. Okay, <laughs> I would I would counsel her to put the freaking phone down and enjoy that ten minutes that moment out there in the real world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ten minutes on the homecoming float that will come again in your life. You know, get your get your face out of your phone. When you're on the, you know, the, the hot date that you've been dreaming about all your life, you know, it might be a good time to not be tweeting about it and put the phone down and engage with the person across the table, perhaps. You know, I mean, yeah. that's how that's what I would counsel the younger generation. You know, yes, the, these these uh, digital platforms are there and uh, they're great and everything. But, uh, hey, every now and then engage with real life and uh, it, you'll find that uh, there's some richness there, too. Of course, you know what that girl will probably tell you? 
okay, is she had just taken her selfie and she had to make sure the selfie got up there because what's the point in having a real world experience, right? It's to get it on social media. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, what's, what's an undocumented uh, uh, experience uh, anymore? It's not, it's not a real experience. It didn't really happen if it, if it doesn't end up in the, you know, if it doesn't end up on Instagram. It, it never, how do we know whatever even happened? So uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to leave that debate at a stalemate for now. Um, all, 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 we could, all we could do tonight is raise the issues. We'll, we'll come back to these. But I, th- I think we're going to spend a lot more time talking about conflicting models of reality in the weeks and months to come. I think reality is going to become kind of our, w- one of our big sandboxes that we as a program play in because I think it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue for society. And we're really just starting to become aware of this kind of as a, uh, you know, what, what world are we living in kind of issue to frame it that way. So it's just uh, something that we've really got to look forward to. All right. Okay. Well, that's it for our buzzkill show for the week. We're going to be back on <laughs> Wednesday. We're going we're gonna to talk about unexpected and amazing breakthroughs. So that'll be, a, that'll be a nice change. Stephen, great talking with you. It's great being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. 